You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Robert Jones, nicely out to Emir Lewis. Emir Lewis is shifting up, goes Yayan Evans. Yayan Evans is away. Can the cap, Welsh captain make it? He's going to do it. And it's a try for Wales. And the Welsh captain has scored his eighth and his 33rd. Welcome to a very special Six Nations preview episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. And... As it's a special episode, we've got a very special lineup for you. For the first time in, well, in a very long time, we've got, uh, we've got three of us on the show. And for the very first time in working in tandem, we've got Dan Killick and the Mighty Murph. So <laughs> how about that? I want to say it's like the first time Tipperick and Warburton played together. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'll go Tipperick, yeah? <laughs> yeah, of course you will. <laughs> of course you will. I want to say it's like that. Yeah, but it's more like if, you know, rather than can two out and out open sides play together, can two blokes who consistently get people's names wrong be on the same podcast at the same time? Is there enough airtime in this podcast for me to waffle? That's amazing. So, yeah, yeah, this could go anywhere, this one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to see how, uh, say, seeing how this one goes. But, uh, yeah, obviously, loads to talk about with Six Nations coming up. Uh, something I didn't even mention when we were chatting off air is the uh, the p- potential proposal of the Lions tour going to Australia rather than South Africa, which could be, uh, well, we're going to have to have a chat about that one as well. So yeah, absolutely loads to get stuck into. But the bulk of the show will be dedicated to the Six Nations. We'll probably dip into a tiny bit of regional rugby towards the end as well. So we've got loads to get stuck into. Before we do that, of course, a quick word for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get your hands on some top quality coffee, you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, welcome, fellas. How are we? <laughs> we both uh, speak to each other to speak. <laughs> oh, what a start. <laughs> we, re- we read each other well, Murph. Yeah, yeah. The understanding is already there. <laughs> In sync. There was me. There was me thinking I was going to be marshalling this from number nine, and what I've done there is I've thrown the ball in front of both of you, and neither, <laughs> neither have gone for it. I, uh, I, 
Someone's going to have to shout out the name. Uh, <laughs> <after> you. <laughs> yeah. We will uh, get to well, that. Anyway. <laughs> my ball, my ball. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. Right. Uh, Six Nations, it's going to be weird, no doubt about it. Um, but it's, I mean, just how excited are you, Dan, on a scale of one to excited? Do you know what I got? I wasn't massively excited before before I started thinking about the podcast tonight, really. And um, yeah, all of a sudden, as soon as I started having a look at the, you know, more in depth at the sides and who to who to look out for, it's, I am genuinely really excited now about it. It just, you know, it's just, a, it's a strange, you know, we're in a strange place at the moment, aren't we? It's all a little odd. So yeah, it's starting to ramp up a bit now. It's good to hear you've done a bit of homework as well, because, you know, once upon a time, Dan Killick used to turn up for this podcast week in, week out, trekking halfway across the country to to join me in a studio to record it and, you know, and chat for an hour about a 16-all draw between Cardiff and Benetton. And now he handpicks the internationals and turns up like a fair-weather fan with his daffodil hat and his pink cowboy hat and his, uh, and his uh, pints of Lambrini. But uh, it's good to hear you've done it. You've done a bit of homework for this one, Dan. I have, yes. I'm on a central contract now, Jed, <laughs> with, uh, with with you as, as <laughs> at the WIU. So it just just bring me out every now and again. But I have to do some homework because Murph's on. So that's it. You never oh, yeah. know with Murph. Well, Murph's been tearing up trees, getting rave reviews from the listeners. So uh, he's he's very much in here on form, while Killick's in here on reputation. Uh, Murph must be on my mates listening because I can't I can't <laughs> imagine anyone wanting to listen to a. Like one of the most Cardiff sounding men in Cardiff, <laughs> on whatever comes into his mind about rugby. Yeah, you got you got to readdress the balance there, Murph, haven't you? Because you've got one of the, you know, you got a fellow who sounds more like Lawrence Delalio in me waffling on. So uh, that probably that probably mates of mine have said you sound like Lawrence Delalio. I, I right. wouldn't necessarily say that myself, but people I people, good mates of mine have listened and said, "Oh, is that, is that bloke? Where's he from?" <laughs> <laughs> Just because you do sound like him, as it turns out. No, no. Well, there we go. Uh, but how excited are you, though, Murph? What's uh, what's what's your feelings ahead of this strange Six Nations? Um, I'm a little bit flat, to be honest. Um, without the crowds, every sport is weird. It doesn't matter what you you know how, how you dress it up. But um, and the other, I mean, the first weekend of the Six Nations is normally on my birthday, which mm. it is the Island Wales Games on my birthday. So it always feels like you know they put it on especially for me. Yeah. But. Um, so you know, I, I I I will be watching. Don't get me wrong, but it's not. Let's be honest, it's not the same. Um, no, you're right. I think we just that's why you just got to try and concentrate on the rugby, haven't you? And and yeah. forget that it's you know it is it is better than watching nothing. And it's it is as much as I'm one for nostalgia. It's better than watching a rerun of, uh, you know, a full eighty minute rerun of of Wales in Wales England in '99. As much as I as much as I love that, the, the those whole eighty minute things, I, I find a bit of a slog to be honest. Mm, yeah. So yeah, at least we at least we have got some new rugby to look at, and we're going to start by doing our uh, our Six Nations predictions. So rather than just predicting who's going to come where in the table, uh, I've tasked each of the fellas and myself to look at who will be the winners, who will take home the wooden spoon, who'll be the player of the tournament, the top try scorer, the breakthrough player, and who is your Lions bolter. So. Where are we going to start? Let's start with the man in form, the man in possession of the jersey. Let's go with Murph. Who's going to who's going to win the Six Nations? Well, like these first uh, three, I found really easy to offer. Three or four, I found really easy to answer because I think the winner of the Six Nations is France, and I can't understand why they're not favourite. Mm. Uh, they, they they lost to England in extra time 
the final of the Amazon Cup or whatever we decided to call it with their second team because their first choice players weren't allowed to play after some agreement with the French clubs. And um, they arguably should have won that game with their second string. So now they're going to put their first out, I would imagine, for the Six Nations. Um, I can't see any other winner myself. Dan, who have you gone for? I've actually gone for France as well. Yeah, um, I'll admit that at one point I did have England down, but I just think they've got they've got quite a few injuries in amongst this. But I know they've got unbelievable depth as well. But yeah, looking at what France what France did to England with a you know second and third string, there's just there's just they're a different side now, aren't they? And as soon as you know Edwards is there as well, I, yeah, I think I think it's France's um, I think it's France's tournament. Um, and when I was looking at this question, I also looked at who, you know, who do we think is going to perform best with no crowds? Mm. Good point. Yeah, good point. And, yeah, that's a great point. You know, I think, you know, I, I think, I think France could be that side, really. See, actually, yeah, you're, you're starting to, to rock my confidence here because I went for England on this one, and the reason I went for it is mainly because of the French record at Twickenham not being particularly fantastic. And I know what you're saying there, Murph, about the the COVID cup result and nearly getting a result with seconds, but they, they didn't quite go over the line. And I just wonder whether England had taken their foot off the pad. Well, they had, they, they came into that game, I think expecting to win that fairly comfortably mm. six nations game, even with no crowd, I think the intensity will be a bit further up, but for me, undoubtedly the winner of that game wins the tournament. And I think wins it with a grand slam as well. I can't see any of the sides getting close to those two teams. And yeah, it's a good point you made about injuries there, Dan, but I still think there's enough in the England side uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that game's going to be absolutely fascinating. It feels like, you know, when it was the, the classic Le Crunch era, you know, the 80s and 90s, it feels like it's that again. Winner of that game wins the, wins the title. Mm, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, the usual situation where it's difficult to get a decision out of the ref when you're playing a Twickenham. Yeah. I wonder if that'll still be the case when there's no crowd there. And I don't know. I don't, it all seems, sometimes seems to be heat of the moment with the decisions at uh, Twickenham when when things are going their way and um, without any atmosphere there, maybe that'll make it a bit more sanitised and maybe that it wouldn't be uh, so difficult. I don't know. I mean, it could go the other way. I, I always think that, it, it, well, you pro I probably think I've heard you say before that it's like uh, a referee, international referee comes to HQ, as it were, and uh, there's no way he's going to wreck his career by making dodgy decisions against England at HQ. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, just just quickly, sorry, Dan. Um, I was because I wasn't looking at you there on the screen. I was looking at the results of England versus France at Twickenham. The last time that France had a result in a competitive fixture there was in two thousand and five. So England have won all the others, uh, all the other Six Nations games since then. There was a, a World Cup warm up game in two thousand and seven that France snuck, but um, yeah, I mean, I suppose if there is a time to do it, it's now when there's you know when it's. Uh, not as full of barber well, jackets. That's the last time they were good. 2007 is probably not the last time they were any good. I think they won a Six Nations in 2009, but they, they probably beat England at home that season. But uh, otherwise, you know, this is the 10 years they've been rubbish or more. So this is yeah. the time that record's going to hopefully die on its ass. I think uh, I think it's also it's also um, important to look at the the opening games, you know, and how they mm. fall because. You know, it's momentum, isn't it? Usually, with with it, with this tournament, and you know, Italy versus France. That's this. It's a great. It's a great start, isn't it, for for France? You'd imagine, and then England versus Scotland. That's the one where 
Scotland, they can't they can't do the job, can they? At um, at Twickenham, but you wonder whether that this time round they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna fancy it, aren't they? No crowd, as we've said. Mm. I, I, it's 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 going to be difficult for them, but it's um, yeah. My point basically is, it's a nice start for France, isn't it? Just to build to build into it. Do you remember that, 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 that small bit before we came on air when I said we're going to preview round one right at the end of the show? And you've just uh, dived straight into it after about after about seven minutes. But uh, but nonetheless, keep keeping everyone on that keeping everyone on their toes. Exactly. Nick, Always rely on me for that. You're more like Nick, you're more like Nick Tompkins than Justin Tipperick, I think, where your brain is trying to keep up with your feet. Um, very difficult to play with <laughs> very difficult to play with but very difficult to play against uh, yeah we're, we're definitely getting on to that but it's a really good point it's it's always about momentum isn't it and and yeah how you how you get on in six everyone wants Italy in week one don't you because any you get any uh, get any uh, rustiness out of your system then and you know and, and back to competitive rugby so yeah it's a really good point so all right I, well i'm going to st- i'm going to stick with england for that one and then you boys are going to go with you boys are going to go with france and of course i very much hope that i am in the wrong on that one uh, let's go for wooden spoon yes you do Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez i've really made a yeah, made a rod for my own back here haven't i and let's start let's start with the let's start with you on that one wooden spoon i mean this you start with me or, or Dan, sorry no. That's Dan. We must have not. We must have knocked the ball on like seven times here already. Go on, Dan. I'm still thinking about Lawrence Delalio. I think we should get. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've been on uh, social media this weekend. He appeared on uh, BT Sport with his cap on backwards. Yeah, no. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, we definitely need that next week, Jed. You've got to be wearing that. <laughs> I was gonna, well, what, while we're in the Lawrence Delalio stakes, Murph's the one who's got the hairline, so I suppose that's the uh, that's that's the counterpoint to that. I think uh, as well, though. Well, <laughs> well look, I, I definitely didn't play like him. I know that much. Dan, uh, let's yeah, go I've, to you for Wooden Spoon. Yeah, so I've gone with Italy for the Wooden Spoon. Murph, any uh, any thoughts on anything other than that? I'd be amazed if anyone can argue with that uh, position, Italy. They've, I mean, they've had it for seasons, haven't they? So. The, o- the only thing I could see is, you know, is if the wheels completely come off the uh, the Pivac bus and, <laughs> yeah. and, we, and we get turned over <laughs> in Rome because Italy are physically only possible, you know, it's only possible for them to beat Scotland and us, isn't it? That's it. I know they beat, they beat Ireland once or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In Rome, but, a long time ago as well. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, really, if they're going to be fancying any of those fixtures... It's probably us this year more than it is more than it is the Scotland fixture. I would say, you know, yeah. like like Dan says, you get off to a bad start. Everyone knows the sword of Damocles is hanging over is hanging over Pivac. So, if that is the case, you know that's that's the only situation. But I, for me, I'm st- I'm still going for Italy to to get the wooden spear. I think we'll we'll labour a victory out there. You know, twenty one points to nineteen, a late penalty, something like that. Mm. I think to just get us over the line. But yeah, it's it's hard to look past them. I mean. Is there, any, is there anything that, you know, any positives you can kind of see in, in what you've seen of Italy in, in recent times? I'll, I'll have a bash at that, if you like. Um, yeah, go on, man. Young outside half. I, I, funny enough, I was mm. looking at the squad a while ago mm. and I couldn't remember his name, even though I had the list of names in front of me. He's, he's had about 10 games of professional rugby and most of them are for Italy. Yeah, this is right. This is the lads who came through the... Um, he was playing like club rugby, not even 
you know, for, for Zebral Benetton, he's playing club rugby, wasn't he, this time last year? Garbizi no. is your man, isn't it? Um, Paolo Garbizi. <laughs> Thanks, Dan, for the, uh, yeah, for the pronunciation on that one. But yeah, he's, I mean, he's a real live wire. He's, well, uh, he's he just looks like they can build a team around, you know what I yeah. mean? Uh, not something they've had for a long time. They, they've chopped and changed uh, all their halfbacks for seasons on end. And this bloke looks like if they can, if they can, if, if, if they can get a pack together, they could actually be uh, less rubbish. Yeah, I um, there was a, I, I'm sure one of the games in the autumn as well, or at least one of the games, they played um, They played Carlo Canna outside him as well, which yeah. I just think adds to adds to the chaos because he is like, you know, he's got moments of genius and moments of absolute madness in there. There's a touch of the Freddie Michelax about him and you kind of feel like actually having that 12 and, and Garbizi at 10, there could, there could be a, you know, a, a nice little footballing option um, in there. I don't know whether that's what they, they're going to go for. I'm, you know, struggling to to try and uh, second-guess Franco Smith's selections. But, yeah, I know what you mean. I think he, he's definitely a reason to be positive. And, you know, in the long run, I think Var- I think Varner will be outstanding for them. I, I don't know, I don't know how, much, how much game time he's going to get now because actually in scrum half, they've got, they've got a couple of decent, decent options there. You know, obviously, Palazzani's the one who's got the, the most amount of rugby under his belt. But um, he's a great option to have, Stephen Varney. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gutted that Wales missed out on him. I kind of respect the uh, Garbisi kind of thing. They, they, they're out, they're outgunned kind of thing, and they're just having a crack at everyone. And uh, they, aside from you know not breaking their duck, they have at least been entertaining to watch when they're having a go like that. Because where's the point in trying to be conservative if you're getting stuffed anyway? I, that's my the way I look at it. Yes, great point. And you know, I think from a just from a neutral perspective. It's much more enjoyable watching a side have a have a go at it than Absolutely. yeah relent, relentless kicking. Um, that, try, right. that try he scored against Ireland wasn't it? The death mm. it was an absolute corker, wasn't it? And yeah. he's um, there's a fair bit about him though, isn't it? He's got a good running game, but he actually at, at times he tends to read read the pitch, read the situation quite well as well, mm. which uh, hasn't always been the case, is it? With the uh, the Italian tens, so yeah. no, I think you know that's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's been a real mixed bag at um, at ten for them over the over the years since since the Mingues anyway. But yeah, it's a, yeah, there is potentially reason to be excited. But I think we're all fairly unanimous. Then Italy, Italy would be favourites to take the wooden spoon, quite rightly. Let's move on to player of the tournament, and let us start with Murph on this one. Uh, easy because I think he's also the best player in the world, Antoine Dupont. Yeah, we've had quite a few quite a few listeners message us in with that one. Um, it's just as simple as that for you, Murph, is it? France are going to be the best side. Dupont's going to be pulling the strings, and he's the best player in the world. Yeah, uh, well, even if I think even if France don't end up winning it, or, or, or even if they, you know, lose a couple somehow, I just think he's, he, you know, when, when he first burst on the scene, people were saying, well, Aaron Smith and you know uh, uh, Gareth Davis last year, and Fafter Clerk as well. But none of those three names I just mentioned have parts where they look unplayable. They're all fantastic, don't get me wrong. But Dupont at times looks unplayable. Um, it just looks like no one knows what to do with him once he's having a go. And uh, and then the rest of his game is also obviously, you know, the technical stuff is spot on. So I just think he's... Uh, I, I don't know who else, you know, down south, who do they consider to be the best player in the world? I don't know at the moment. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, he is the complete nine, isn't he, really? His, his service is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's got a wonderful running game. Like you say, he can do the the nuts and bolts kicking if you need if you need it to. And French rugby has always relied on having that, you know, I know it's a cliche, but having that that nine who dominates the game, the petit general. And yeah. and he's the, you know, and he fits that mould. Yeah, and the other thing with him that kind of, I don't think it's overlooked as such, but it's a massive part of his game. He's freakishly strong. Like he, yeah. he, ends, yeah, up, he, he is. ends up picking off second rows and stuff. And he's a tiny guy, you know, he's not a big bloke at all. So, yeah, he's got everything, I think. Yeah, yeah, and then and they've got amazing options there as well. You know, to have have Baptiste Serran, who a couple of years ago I thought, oh, they they found it, they found the nine that they're looking for now, and Dupont, you know, he's another level again. So, yeah, I can see, I can see lots of logic in that. Who've you gone for, Dan, or anything to add on Dupont while we're waxing lyrical? Yeah, it's difficult to argue against that, isn't it, with Murph Dupont? I think he's, yeah, he's he's just a. He's a joy to watch, isn't he? He's got he's got absolutely everything, and the amount of times he scores tries out of nothing as well. He just sort of he just turns a game, doesn't he, on a sixpence really? Mm. And he, he, what I really like about him is that he he sort of identifies a weakness, doesn't he, in the side? He sees it so quickly. It's I, I can't quite understand how he can spot like a you know a loose forward that quickly, and he just identifies them and he's away, and he just he just he. I think, yeah, Murph alluded to then. He, he is he is bordering on unplayable, isn't he? I think he's that great. Um, he really yeah. is. Yeah, and he's yeah he's um he's a joy to watch unless he's playing unless he's playing against Wales as well. So yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. Who've you who've you gone for? Yeah. There, so yeah, I've gone. I'm I've gone with one of our own, and um, this is ballsy. Yeah, I've gone with one of our own. Is it Stephen Varney? Is it Harry Randall? <laughs> <laughs> no. Is no, it one of our own playing for someone else? No, no it's um, I've gone with um, I've gone with the sheriff, Ken Owens. Right, big, big, I, big. Yeah, yeah. I just think he's he's head and shoulders above, isn't he? The uh, <clears throat> our sort of you know our, our other twos at the moment. Then like we got a you know a good a good number of you know backup twos, but he's just he's out and out. He's out and out first choice. And has been for a long time, and I just think, you know, the way in which he leads us and just brings that physicality and aggression. I I was so disappointed with how sort of weak and and just sort of we seem to get bullied by you know by all the sides. And you know, you just think if you know Ken Owens, just I just can't see him. I can't see him him allowing us to be bullied in this tour in this tournament. Just going to be so important, and I'm I'm, yeah, I'm backing him to be. To have a massive, uh, a massive Six Nations for us. Massive. I'm a massive fan of the Sheriff myself, and I agree. I still think he's Wales's best hooker, and that, and it will make a difference having him back. Is there a danger though that he's not had enough game time to really make an impact, Murph? Yeah, that is a point. But um, I think our lineup was so bad in the autumn that, I mean, I hope. It, Ken always coming back. I hope he's going to fix it. If it doesn't fix it, I don't know where to go. I don't know where we go with that lineup if it, if him being back because not a lot of uh, Ryan Elias. This is Ryan Elias, wasn't it? Most of the time, uh, yeah. I, I thought I had, had a bit of a um, Tommy Price moment then. Uh, <laughs> a lot of it, he was overthrowing in, in, mm. in the autumn series, and if that's eradicated, that's probably safe. Quite a few lineups if Ken's back. 
But uh, what I noticed before he got injured, because he'd had a lot of players that had the uh, long break for the pandemic, what, five or six months off, he looked in the best shape I'd seen him probably ever, actually. He just looked in fantastic shape and then obviously got injured straight away. Mm. So, yeah, he is, he is undercooked, but I don't know. I, I don't know. So was Josh Navidi, by the way. Um, I don't so know. Is that, so is Alan Jones. Yeah, I don't know how much yeah. Wayne that cares. I think he just wants all as, as many caps on the field as he can have to try and squeeze some victories in myself. Um, and I think Ken Owens is probably experienced enough, to get, experienced enough to get away with being a bit undercooked at that level. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I suppose it's being a front row as well, he's got to get out there and empty the tank for 55 minutes in that first game, hasn't he? And that, that 55 minutes could make a massive difference. Like you say, particularly scrum and line out. My concern, yeah, my concern over picking him for player of the tournament is he's playing for Wales. That's that's my main concern. Is I can't see, I can't see us having a, a particularly spectacular tournament. You know, player of the tournament will generally come from a side who's, who if not the winners, who've certainly impressed. So for that reason, I um, I'm going to go for uh, Maro Atoji on this one. And you can't. Why not? He's English. Well, I know, yeah. Oh, look, look at this, Dan. I'm Come on, picking... <laughs> I'm picking, I'm picking, uh, yeah, I'm picking Maritoji player of the tournament. I'm picking England to win it with a grand slam. This is horrendous. Um, but yeah, the, I'll tell you one of the reasons I think, I mean, aside from the fact that, again, I think he's, you know, I've said it, I've said it before. I think he's, if not the best lock in the world, then one of, you know, it's, it's him and Retallick for me. And, um, the, the other reason, I think, is just, as we've seen, the breakdown is so, so crucial at the moment. And there's so many turnovers, the way it's been refereed this season, that a player like him can be so destructive in that regard. And if you're a player who's getting through that much ball carrying, that much tackling, and I think he could have a bit of a field day at the breakdown as well. Plus, his his workload is being is being managed. You know, he's not being flogged for, for his club this season. Because yeah. that's, a, that's a point, actually. He hasn't played since the autumn. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. But again, I think there's a difference between being injured and and coming into you know coming into the England setup. That's that's the thing that that concerns me. You're right. You know, he hasn't played. But in in this scenario, I see it as being a bit of a positive. I think those those players who've stuck around at Saracens will have had their workloads managed a lot better. So him and Jamie George, I think, will come in a lot fresher than you know than perhaps a player who's been playing week in week out for Harlequins or Wasps or Bath or whoever. So. So that's that's the reason I'm going to go for I'm going to go for him. Uh, quick sub question for you though, Dan. We had a discussion about Maratoje, as you may remember from four years ago, when I backed Warburton to be to be Lions captain. I I think Atoje's nailed on for this. Who who do you think is favourite? Because we were saying last week the bookie's favourite is still Alan Wynn. Who who would be favourite in your uh, in your eyes to to captain the Lions? I mean. My favourite would be, I'd go with Alan Wynn in terms of, you know, just ex- you know, experience. He's, a, he's done it, doesn't he, time and time again. I just, I just think he's, he's phenomenal. But it's not going to, it's unlikely to go ahead, isn't it? So I think you boys touched on it, didn't you, last time, that if it doesn't go ahead, then age is, you know, age is potentially really against him. And then, yeah, Toji... Uh, you 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 know you were talking about you've got to you've got to pick a captain, haven't you? This hmm. that's going to be in the team, and yeah, he probably is. 
he's probably in that team, isn't he? Realistically, I think I think he's nailed on personally. Yeah, barring barring injury, I think he's one of the only players who was nailed on. Maruatoje. There's lots of players who have been lions their whole career who might be all past it by the you know, like uh, uh, what I mean is people like Jonathan Davis, for example. Mm. He might not be. I don't know. I don't know who's going to take his place as such, but there's a few. There's a few who would have been cast iron on the last tour. Who might be too old now. So yeah, Toji is probably in his prime as we speak. So I, I as as I covered last week, I'm not a huge fan of Owen Farrell. So he's not guaranteed to hold up his ten shirt. So therefore, you have to you have to go with the guy who's definitely going to make the side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult. You, it's difficult to pick sort of you know five or six players, isn't it? They're definitely going to make that Lions team. It's mm. it's not easy to do. No, so yeah, no, I think that's a good. I think it's a good shout by you to put a couple of quid on him. And we are going to talk more about the Lions in the second half of the show, and we're also going to finish these predictions because we've still got three each to get through, and we're going to be finding out who the lads fancy as top try scorer, breakthrough player, and Lions bolter. All of that is coming up in the second half of the show. But first, this very, very quick break. Right, I reckon after a rocky start, that was a very good ending to uh, to the first half. There, boys, I think we're I think we're in we're in sync now. I think a, a couple of, a couple of early knock-ons, a few nerves settled, and uh, and Killick's looking much more composed. Murphy's out of the traps like the animal that we know he is. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I think we're in for a very exciting second half. Let's see if uh, if that <laughs> is the case now as we go to the next one, or I'm going to spill the restart straight from kickoff. Time for top try scorer. Let us get your thoughts on this, Dan. Top try scorer for me. I've gone with uh, Keelan Doris. Top try scorer. Yep, of Ireland. Wow. Yeah. Talk us through this one. This is a this is a curveball. Yeah, he, he he's a big carrier, isn't he? I like um, I like him as a player, but he's more than he's more than that. He's 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 nimble on his feet. He's got good offloads. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure how Ireland are going to go in this uh, in this campaign, but I think we, it's safe to say it's it's going to be fairly, fairly tight, um, and quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of up the jumper up the jumper stuff. So yeah, I fancy I fancy him as um, as top try scorer actually, which is a little bit left field. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I I think I was. I remember being very excited or thinking he was going to have a big tournament last year and he got injured quite early on, I think, didn't he? And, um, and, missed, a, and missed a lot of rugby. But he's a, he's a big prospect. He's, he's only got like eight or ten caps or something. But he's, uh, yeah. I, I know he's rated very, very highly. Uh, big call for, for top try scorer, though. Murph, thoughts on that and your, uh, and your call for top try scorer? Uh, thoughts on Dan's um, selection? I... Um... Well, they're going to have to go really well up front if he's going to be the top shot. That you know, that like the, the rolling ball and the scrum would have to be for him. For him to, he's going to be on the back of that type of thing. He's going to score loads of tries. I would have said, although he, I, I he's probably one of those who hangs out on the fifteen channel as well. I suppose. Mm. But 
You think uh, that you yeah. think they've got a soft you think they've got a soft underbelly island, don't you? No, I think they're in more transition than people let on in the media because they, they're in, yeah. the middle, in the middle of phasing out nine and ten, the best nine and ten combination they've ever had are both well over 30 and whether they phase out this year or next year is coming uh and also they haven't worked out who's going to take over at 15. they're trying to move jacob stockdale he's injured at the moment Lama has been struggling there lowry when he's had a go haven't settled so they're in they they got well and their the hooker just retired rory best is not just actually he's longer than that after the world cup so that that's been a chop and change position so their spine 2 8 9 10 15 mm. is uh all over the shop and they're in a lot of people seem to be Blaming Farrell over there, I think, uh, that Andy Farrell, the coach, mm. and I think it's just more because they haven't worked out what their spine of the team is going to be long term. At the moment, they're dragging out Sexton and they're dragging out. I think Jameson Gibson Park is probably going to take over at nine eventually. I, I don't know what they're waiting for, to be honest. I think they just need to get on with it because there's no, there's no future in Conor Murray. He's not going to see the next World Cup. Even, even if he's playing vintage Conor Murray, he's not going to see the next World Cup and he's not playing very well either. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one because, again, not just this time around, but in the autumn, he doesn't seem to fancy Cooney much, does he? There seems to be something that he doesn't fancy. And he's been a, he's been a, you know, very, he was a very exciting player. I was surprised to see they left him out in the autumn yeah. um, because he was in red hot form then. And he, you know, he just seems to be something that he, he doesn't quite fancy about him. No, that's right. Although the, the boy they have picked instead, it looks a prospect, Craig Casey, mm. monster kid. Uh, I mean, Arguably, Munster should be <laughs> should be Alvin on Conor Murray to make room for him. But mm. you know, uh, when when you're that good, when you're as good as Conor Murray, it, buy, it buys you a lot of uh, a lot of extra time, I think, uh, to prove yourself. But um, uh, my my uh, top try scorer, I played it safe, and I think you'll see a very clear pattern for me for my selections. I've just gone for Damian Bernal. Yeah, yeah, I, and while we're while we're on it, I've gone for Teddy Thomas. Yeah, you have. Only, only because I changed my decision during the break because I was going to go for Johnny May, but I was like, I can't, I can't. No. The, the stick I'm getting, <laughs> the stick I'm getting, and it's not like me either, is it, Dan? Pre- you pressure's know. got to him. Pressure's I, know, got to I know. Him. I normally go out of my, I normally go out of my way to not picking to not picking these players, but um, <laughs> yeah, no. the most Welsh. I've picked all French guys. You picked all English guys. <laughs> I, know. I know, but yeah, I think yeah. Look, I think. Uh, I can see, yeah, I can see the French wingers getting their hands Two on the Two young ball. French wingers. Yeah. Yeah, I can see the French wingers getting their hands on the ball, scoring plenty of tries, you know, particularly running riot against Italy and something like that. You know, I think um, when they've got Scotland at home this year as well, which even if, you know, it's not even if it's not the easiest fixture, it will be a fast and open game. And, you know, that, that in theory could be one of the most entertaining games of the tournament. Watch it turn into a 9-8 kick fest now. But it could, you know, it could be. If, if France turn up and play champagne stuff and Scotland turn up and, and do what they do most of the time, it could be, it could be a, a really entertaining game. But, um, yeah, Teddy Tomar for me. Perno for you, just pure and simple. They're going to score plenty of tries, aren't they? Yeah, and they're, I mean, they're both really good. You know? And now the difference between... Uh, these two and previous, they've had you know they've had loads of good wingers over the uh, recent decades, but they haven't they haven't had a decent um, outfit inside them to get the passes. So now they they get they're playing well, they're organised, everyone knows what they're doing, and lo and behold, uh, Teddy Tom Allen and Damian Pano look brilliant. So no reason not to pick them. 
Yeah, good chat. Like it. And let's move on to breakthrough player. This is going to be the interesting one now, I think. So I was going to give you a couple of selections from our listeners before we get into yours, boys. So uh, we had this one from Killian Hickey. He says Craig Casey, who we've, we've just mentioned there. Uh, Scott James has suggested Cameron Redpath. He wasn't alone in uh, in doing that. Uh, Reese Knott, who I know is a regular a regular listener, uh, says uh, Jacopo Trulla, the, uh, the Italian fullback winger, um, which I said I was going to steal. Uh, and I didn't. Uh, Reese Lloyd, Monte Ioani, uh, who else we had? Gary Mason, Cameron Redpath. So yeah, we've had a couple of um, a couple of ones, uh, a couple of ones for Cameron Redpath. Before we get your selection, Murph, I know you're you're a man who watches a lot of uh, English Premiership rugby. Cameron Redpath, how big a coup is that for Scotland getting him uh, getting him in the blue shirt? Uh, funny you should mention. Funny you should come up. He, he had a stinker on Friday. Uh, Bath versus what game is that? Now again? Bristol. Oh, got absolutely. Bristol, Bristol hammered them, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, and, and everything Cameron tried went wrong. Not, he wasn't alone. The whole team played poorly. Uh, um, Toby had to play a full game, which is annoying. Um, ended up in the second row. Came on after. Ten. Yeah, he, well, I say he played a full game. He didn't he clearly because he was on started on the bench. But within minutes of the game starting, they'd lost two second rows, and he was on, and that's one of the reasons. I mean, if you if you filling in uh, back row forwards in the second row. That's one of the reasons why they got stuffed. But um, I think the coach's job will be uh, be going the same way as uh, Gustard, the way he's going down there. What's his name? Stuart? Um, Hooper. Stuart Hooper, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, it's a bit mad actually in that league. Well, I suppose it's not mad because it's a league with relegation in it. But I mean, other than Rob Baxter... There's no one really who's been around for any length of time, is there? You know, they're all the uh, Gloucester coach, Skivington in first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gustard's just gone. Um, he's the one who's been around a long time. Is that Dean Richards? Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Back into the into the Premier League again, so um, a Premier uh, Premiership again. So, yeah, you're right. Um, that's the way it is, I guess these days. Uh, we can't go back to Cameron Redpath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be interesting. It's, I mean, I don't think he goes straight into the Scottish side. Um, because they got they're in a position now where they have got a lot of centres knocking around. But going forward, it could be an interesting access uh, access with him at twelve and Finn Russell at ten. Do you see them as two players who complement each other, or two who potentially might try a bit too much? I don't know. It's tricky to say. There was a couple of times in the World Cup where Adam Hastings came on at twelve, mm. and that gives you a lot of options then. But whether it's, I don't know whether that's enough. In defence, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a blow for them, actually, Adam Hastings being injured. And, mm. you know, I know, like, look, Finn Russell is, like, again, there's there's no one who's as big a fan as him as me. I just find him fascinating to watch. And and when he gets it right, you know, he's he's an absolute magician. Um, but I think it does it does help having Hastings either on the, on the bench, like you say, you can bring on as a second as a second ball player, um, or actually just come on and 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 shore things up or take a bit of pressure off um take a bit of pressure off Finn Russell. So I think that is a bit of a blow for them, even though he, he certainly wouldn't be first choice. Dan, have you seen much of Cameron Redpath? Yeah, on the um yeah, it's interesting, is it Narbon Bourne? Yeah, yeah, of course. Redpath. Yeah, because Bra- Brian yeah. Redpath was out there playing, wasn't he? Yeah. It was down there, yeah. Um I think it's a really good uh it's great news for for Scotland, but and I know a lot of people are talking about him and him and Finn Russell teaming up and it being exciting. I I, I definitely think that could go one or two ways. I think it could be 
it, it, it could go well in certain games, but equally it could be pretty disastrous as well. Um, in terms of having, you know, quite often you need that 12 that's going to carry and make hard yards and get over, you know, get over the line. Obviously, they've got to have footballing skills as well. And he's 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 an inside centre that can play 13. He can play 10 as well, can't he? And I just, you just wonder whether that's going to be a little bit choppy. They've got, they've got those options in the squad as well, haven't they? In Harris and Taylor in centres who can who can do a bit more of the physical stuff. And yeah, I wonder whether Townsend actually will put himself back in the 10 shirt and think, who would I have wanted outside me? Would I have wanted another footballer? Or would I have wanted, you know, um, God knows who the Scottish centres in those days were who were big and physical, but you know, would I yeah, would I have wanted one of them outside me rather than um another footballer? Yeah, just quite often in, in the as 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 a ten, you you know you get so much comfort and security knowing from, you know, someone at twelve is going to be running hard lines and 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 cutting nice angles and just laying that platform really. So, it's it's definitely I think Scotland will be will be delighted with it, but it's um, there might be uh, there might be a few a few openings there if he does if he does play twelve as well. Mm. Um, you could argue. I, any of us could play 12 outside Finn Russell because most of the time he throws miss three, miss five, and then cross field. And you just need like a mannequin just hanging around at 12 half the time. It would be a bit of a change, I think, to, from what they're doing at the moment. If if it beds down with red path at 12, it would be a bit of a change of direction because at the moment it's just literally string pulling from Finn mm. Russell. Whatever he sees out wide is whatever he's going to do. It wouldn't necessarily involve wouldn't necessarily involve the twelve. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Yeah, so, yeah that's a good interest. point. It could take a little bit of the pressure off him, maybe if he's if he's playmaking as well. Yeah, could, could, could go that way. Yeah, it could. I I can't imagine Finn Russell right now is the kind of ten who uh, who wants the pressure taken off him. Though he just wants the ball all the time, yeah. doesn't he? He's not going to give up that one, is he? He still wants the uh, the Paul Daniels role. Six when he makes him six, it doesn't phase him at all. No, it goes again. Same thing. Tries it again the next time. Whereas you know, uh, any normal human being just goes in their shell and starts thinking, "Oh, I've wrecked my career. How am I going to get back?" <laughs> like, he just he just keeps going for it all the time. I love it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great value. It'll be interesting to see what Townsend does do when it comes to selection next week. Murph, who have you gone for for uh, breakthrough player there? Uh, I've worked on a few, but I, the, my first one and the one I really wanted is uh, Jack Willis, otherwise known as Jack Wills. Jack Wills, yeah. Um, only in. <laughs> weird, just the thing, only in the team, only in the squad because of injury. Yeah. Um, uh, and they all got injured, didn't he, last week? And so now he's in from the kind of reserve squad. And uh, in the autumn, I think it was the uh, Premiership playoff semi final between Wasps and Bristol when they smashed Bristol, about 35 10 or something like that. Um, my mate George Ben Earl was on the, on the opposition side and he completely outplayed him. He just, he was man of the match, uh, uh, Jack Willis. And if it had been a boxing match, it would, the, the ref would have waved it off after three rounds because he absolutely battered him. Not battered him, but he, he dominated him at every breakdown, just outplayed him all over the park, and he was completely one-sided. And then I think, I don't know if it was the same week or soon after, they named an English squad, and uh, Ben Earl's in it, and Jack Willis ain't. <laughs> at that time, um, for my money, Jack Willis was playing better than Sam Hill and Tom Curry put together at that time. And end of last season, that is. So it was this mm. autumn just gone, but it was the end of the last season. He was out playing them both. Tom Curry was playing okay for Sale and Underhill was playing okay for Bath. But obviously, when they go to England, they, they match up and they kind of uh, their game 
the standards raise, if you know what I mean. But at club level, Jack Willis is playing better than any other English flanker in the division, in the Premiership. And again, he's only made the English squad by mistake. Uh, so he's not guaranteed. I got him as the breakthrough player. He's not even guaranteed to start the game or even be on the bench. But I think he's the best flanker on recent form in their country. That's a classic Eddie Jones move, isn't it, Murph? He, he tends to he tends to pick the players that aren't, you know, a lot of a lot of fans, I suppose, would say he gets he gets the selections wrong. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe may, you know. Alex Dombrand a year ago. Alex Dombrand yeah. punching holes through every team in the in the Premiership, and not not only was he punching holes, they were struggling to catch him. He's a big lardy guy, Alex Dombrand, struggling to catch him. And if they did catch him, then he'd offload to Danny Kerr or someone, and they'd be over for a try. He couldn't make the England squad. So he's he's very faithful to the players he's already picked, Eddie Jones, a little bit like Gatland has been in the past. But I just think now that Jack Willis is in there, he did have a cap in the autumn. He did, now that yeah. he's in there, if he gets the opportunity, I think they'll realise... I, I, I mean, I hope he doesn't turn up in poor form now, but now I've built him up. But uh, I hope he does. If he's anywhere near his best that he has for Wasps, I think he's the best back row forward in England. Uh, big, yeah, but I mean, it's a big shout and a hell of a cast list to to choose from as well, isn't it? How, uh, how do you expect them to line up in the first game against Scotland, Murph, in the back row? Uh, the usual. You pick the usual, but instead of having Ben Earl on the bench, you'll have, um, you'll have Jack Willis on the bench. Jack, Jack Willis will play all three positions for a start. So, so hang on. So who's at six? Because Underhill's injured. Oh, of course. Sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so, so it'd be Curry six, Earl seven, uh, uh, Big Billy, and then Jack Wills. Jack, our mate Jack Wills. I... I wouldn't be surprised to see a Toji with six on his back. Oh, unless they do that, it's definitely not the jumper all tournament and it's going to be... After the criticism they've faced, mm. the negative, non-negative play, but the boring play, it'd be pretty brave to pick a... To, <laughs> to pick a big lump on the blind side and just box kick all, all tournament again. I got to, I mean, you, you might be right, but it'd be pretty brave of Eddie to do that with the criticism he's faced. I, I, if there's one thing Eddie Jones doesn't give a toss about, it's criticism, isn't it? So I don't know. I could, I could see, I could see that happening. I um, good choice though. Fine player, Dan. Who have you gone for? I've gone with um, Jared Evans. <laughs> yes. This is this yeah. is like six weeks of pent up, uh, pent up frustration of wanting to be able to uh, to talk about Jared Evans, isn't it? It is, yeah. He's playing so well at the moment, and I just, yeah, I really want to see him play. Who doesn't? You know, who doesn't want to see him play? And yeah, I just think, will he though? Will he play? I, I've got a feeling he probably won't. Will he? Yeah. But um, packing order wise, he's 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 not even on the bench, is he? I think he's very much the three in pivot size at the moment. Well, that's why yeah. he was on about last week. He made inquiries about Priestland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I hope you're right, though, because it'll mean we're going to actually play some rugby if he's on the pitch. Yeah, I just think with the combos as well, when you know, with Thomas, you know, they 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 read each other well, don't they? Know each other. I just, you know, I don't think there's the nines nines been open, isn't it, for a long time? I just think that Thomas and Jared could, you know, that would. It's quite a frightening nine ten combo, isn't it? It's frightening a little bit to coach. I must admit, you know, you're probably thinking, uh, "Geez, you know, anything could happen here." But equally, and that's probably then I've, I've answered it. He isn't gonna, he isn't gonna get the game time, is he? Because of that, we're, we're gonna be, we're gonna be looking for 
you know, yeah. a solid, a solid 10, dependable that you can read big boots and, and put us in the right areas. But I really, I'd love to see it. What I could see though, Dan. Sorry, go on, go on. Though. What I could see though is a scenario where Wales get off to a stinking start and Pivac just has to do something. And it's, you know, a bit like the, the 2003 World Cup where all of a sudden, as if by accident, we came across this, this back line that could throw the ball around and, and give New Zealand and England a run for their money, having shown no form for the previous three years. And part of me wonders whether at some point he's just going to have to go, do you know what, balls to it, Thomas at nine, Jared at 10, and, and see what happens. Likewise, one injury, to, you know, an injury to Dan Bigger and, and, and things change all over again. So I, it's, not, it's not an outrageous suggestion to, to think he is going to get some game time. I just, yeah, I think at the moment he is, he is third choice. Go on, yeah. If you look at it from a like, tactical point of view on the day, if Bigger starts and say you, in the, late in the game you need a couple of tries, who would you rather see come on? You are, Jared is the no, one of defence, not necessarily Callum, uh, Callum Sheedy. So whether whether Pivac thinks that way, I don't know. But from my point of view, putting Sheedy on after Bigger is just more of the same in a way. Whereas yeah. it, it depends. I mean, we're not going to be 30, 40 points up against anyone and then just looking to play out time with Callum Sheedy. Are we? So <laughs> more than likely, we're going to be in a close game or behind. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like I say, I don't know what... what Pivac's thinking is on that, but I, I personally would go for Jared on the bench. Yeah, I, I instantly if you've got Jared on the bench, the, your 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 excitement levels are going to shoot up, aren't they? And and similarly, from an opposition perspective, he's so difficult to defend, isn't he? Even when you know he's going to carry the ball to the line, he just you know he's got an offload. He goes himself. He's. I just yeah, I, I think that for me. He isn't going to start, but yeah, that bench spot is the way he's playing at the moment. He's 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 got to be on that bench really. And and you know if we've got if we've got um, Johnny Williams at twelve, I think he's he's a he's a decent, isn't he? Hard running, got a good offload on him as well. I think he could that that could, I'd love to see that that combo between those two. Yeah, I, I think better than all that though, Dan, is Jared's got a dummy. I just love that dummy. It's so it's so much fun. And you don't see it, you don't see much of that at international level anymore. So uh yeah. No, long, you don't do. Long may that continue. Uh yeah, good shout. I am going for similar to similar to Murph's suggestion of a player called up late. Uh I am going for a French back row forward, and it's Cameron Wockey, who uh, I think he's come in for Aldrit's got injured, so he's come into the squad for yeah. him. But they've not got a huge amount of back row options there, and the I mean, couple of times I had Cyril Bay on my list of breakthrough players. Yeah, he's speaking, he's got a breakthrough because he's been around a while. But I just think he gets better every time I watch him. Yeah, and um, I've seen Wocky a couple of times. Um, you know, obviously he had a lot of fun against uh, against the Dragons' third choice side, but um, but likewise. The other occasions that I've seen him, just amazing athletic ability, uh, good line-out option, kind of full package, really, like really versatile back row forward. So I think he could be a player who um, he can make a name himself. The, big, the biggest problem he's got is that the competition for position across all of the French positions is uh, is so strong. So, uh, but yeah, I could see if he if he gets game time, him having a him having a real impact. Yeah. Uh, 
and there you and there you have it. Right. So we have got Lions Bolter up next, have we? No, player of the tournament. Player of the tournament. Dan. I've missed one, have I? I've, no, I've no, got Lions Bolter. Third up, that was Dupont. Oh, was it? Yeah. What the hell am I yeah. talking about then? Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Did, did I say one? Yeah, it's OG. What the hell am I talking about? Right. In which case, it's Lions Bolter. That's why the other two are you to keep you on a. Easy. That's it. Just as well, isn't it? I am. I'm. I'm flagging now. They need to. They need to sub me off and bring Yestin on. Um, <laughs> right. So then it is time for Lions Bolter. Oh, it's a great one. This. Yeah. Go on. Woo. Do okay. you want? Do you want? Before we get into it, do you want to talk about the possibility of a Lions tour taking place in Australia, which hit the the papers today? Yeah. And what are your thoughts on that, Murph? Well, it's a way out. To, it's a way out for the organisers, isn't it? It's not going to happen in South Africa. We know that. Agreed. Um, they've they've reined back on no fans, no tour, because that was what they were saying right from the off. No fans, no tour. Um, being in this country doesn't feel like a Lions tour. <laughs> no. So it's it's a third option, a third way out, and it's a way out for the organisers to get it on, get the TV money in. I don't know. I don't know what the situation will be with fans over there or travel more than anything else. What will travel be like? There'll be fans, but there won't be fans from over here. Yeah, no so, chance. So you might get expats. You know, you'll get expats in uh, in the stadium, providing they get their hands on tickets. But it won't be. Yeah, it won't be travelling fans. And then there's the issue of the opposition. Will they be using for the, some of the midweek stuff? Will they be using Australian opposition, or will they be flying every South African team out to play? But whatever, whatever the finer points are, it is at least a way to get the tournament on. Dan, thoughts. I'm. Uh, it doesn't really sit that well with me. I would. Um, I wouldn't go for it. I would. My. My. What I'd like to see is it just see it delayed for for South Africa. But obviously, it's looking so precarious, there, isn't it? That even even a you know, even a year's delay, there's this. You know, that potentially that's not going to be that's not going to be long enough. And there's other implications then in the rugby. The rugby calendars isn't there for that as well, so it's a it's a difficult situation, isn't it? Really, but I don't know. I what's your take on it? I mean, yeah, I agree. My ideal scenario would be Lions tour in South Africa next summer, but uh, there's no guarantee that things are going to be any better. Really, is there? You know, things have changed on a on a week by week basis, and. So I don't know. I think that they're starting to have to look look at ways out. This I, I suppose it's better than having it over here. I, yeah, I just really don't fancy it over here. No, no I don't either. No, yeah. And I certainly don't fancy it over here in an empty stadium like that. Just oh god, like you need yeah. you need it. I, I'd rather it. Yeah, it was just the house in front of all Aussies than than an empty stadium. Yeah, well, you could have a situation where if it's over here in empty stadiums. Players go, <laughs> go and play in a massive test match or a, a touring team or whatever, and then they go into their family in the night. Mm. <laughs> that's not, I mean, I know that's got nothing to do with the actual game or anything, but it just seems really weird. I mean, it, I know Australia isn't, it's just like a to some people, if it was April, you think it was an April Fool's, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, publication, you know, when they're trying to wind you up, but with. Every day is April Fool's at the moment because of the pandemic. So these all these weird stories, it, it is a goer. Like it, it, it is a way to get it on and get get the cash into the game and, and at least find a solution without trying to kick the can down the road to something that might not still not might be possible in the yeah. summer of 2022. So 
No, it's a very good point. Let's um, let's go to Lions Bolter, Dan. I know you're uh, I know you're excited by this one. You can go first. Yeah, so <laughs> I've gone with um, I've gone with a player that I don't think you guys would have at all down on the uh, down on the bits of paper that are in front of you, or maybe it's uh, maybe it's iPads. Uh, uh, can, we have guesses? can we have guesses first? <laughs> yes, guesses. I think that. Yeah. I have a guess. <laughs> go on, go on, you go Come first, Murph. Lloyd Williams. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good, very I'm, good. I'm, I'm either going to go for Brynmore Williams or <laughs> uh, who else would I not expect to see on there? Both Brynmore and Lloyd, fantastic haircuts. So they were, yeah, they're very close. Yeah. Lloyd is just rocking Brynmore's 1970s, yes. 1970s, 80s look at the moment. And I think that's... Uh, that's absolutely it's a strong, strong look, isn't it? Only, it's only, really strong. only because the hairdressers are closed. Yeah, I know, but it yeah. works. He's going to keep that. Um, yeah, go on then, Dan. Let's let's hear this. So my Lions bolter is Dan Lydiot. Oosh. Woohoo! That's even even further out than Lloyd Williams. I'll give you. Yeah. I'll give you two and a half thousand to one for that. <laughs> I'll take no, that. No chance. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely no I'll chance, mate. He is playing brilliant rugby. Agreed. The problem is, and well, if we, if it if it was South Africa, Gatland loves him, chopping the guys down all day long, carrying better than he's ever carried before. Mm. I, I'd say playing better rugby than he's ever played before. You, I, I, if he gets a if he gets a chance now, I think it'll be very very difficult to get that uh, get that shirt off him. Mm. Murph, anything to add before I go off on one? Well, shirt that is. Yeah. <laughs> About Dan, Dan Lydiard? Uh, look, I, yeah. The, what well, he's more likely to make the Lions tour than he is the next World Cup. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's any chance of him making the Lions tour at all. Like, you know... Really? I think one of Gatlin's favourites? He's not one of Gatlin's favourites anymore. Gatlin hasn't picked him since 2016, has he? Or 2017? You know, it's... Um, and, I know, and I know he's he's really worked hard at his game and he's playing he's playing fantastic rugby. He's playing well. He's, he? he's the Osprey's most important player. And he's, I agree, he's added a carrying dimension to his game. Would you take him on the Lions tour ahead of Jack Willis? No. Would you take him on the Lions tour ahead of uh, probably most of the Irish back rowers? No. Shane Ritchie, is that Shane Ritchie? No, I Yeah. <laughs> That's surely a joke. Shane Ritchie was in his senders. What's that? called? Ritchie? Uh, Jamie Ritchie. Jamie Ritchie. Uh, Shane's son, Jamie. <laughs> Everyone's raving about him as, as a possible lion. So the thing is, he's got a, he's a good player. So it would have it would have to be player of the tournament type performance mm. by Dan Lydia to then be considered. If he comes out and just rolls back the years and is amazing, then there's a chance that he could make the tour. But otherwise, there's so many youngsters coming through that I, I think it would be. And that's it. I, I don't I, I don't want to pour cold water on your choice. If it's your choice, it's your choice. But um, I, love, yeah, I, I mean, love Dan Lydia. Sorry, go on, Dan. Yeah, there's a slim, obviously, it's a slim chance, isn't it? I just think he's playing so well with this Welsh side, with the Welsh side as well. We need we need leaders, we need captains. He's, I've just seen a really different, you know, a really different side to him, I've got to be honest, over the last sort of the last 18 months. I just think if he gets that chance with Wales, I think he could be a he play a huge, a huge uh, role for us. And then, look, if the, if the, you know, if the Lions was to go about, who who knows? There's so many, there's so many amazing back rows, aren't there? But what he 
what he does, he does it. He does. He, he he sort of he does it simply, doesn't he? And it's and it's really really effective. Um, I don't know. I just and I just it just thought to me. I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a personally. I think it's a real long shot because. I, I think he will get a chance for Wales. And unfortunately, I think he'll get a chance for Wales. So I think Navidi will get injured again. And that's the, that's the, you know, that's the horrible situation. He deserves to be in that Wales squad. I, I can't remember if I had a bit of a downer on it last week, but he definitely deserves to be there on form because he's, play, he's playing brilliant rugby and he's yeah, he's proven test match level player. And you're right, he's, he's gone away and worked on on those things in his game. I just yeah. think there's there's way too many other competition from other, from other nations. I think, yeah, the... Both the Scottish Open side slash, you know, the, the twin fetches they've got up there when they're both fit, uh, I think would, would get in ahead of him. Um, and I think that, yeah, a hat full of the English players and and most of the Irish as well. You know, I think if, if all the Welsh, if all the Welsh players fit, you know, if, if Ellis Jenkins is fit, and I know this is a massive if because he hasn't played rugby for two and a half years, but, you know, if he was fit again, would would Dan Lydiot be in the squad? I don't know. It's... Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's... I think it's a long shot. I don't think he's as much a Gatland favourite as... Um, you know, as, as he once was. I've got a question on form as well, which uh, I can raise now or, or later on. I would love you to raise it now. Yeah, so form, a lot of, obviously with Gatland looking at, um, you know, Priestland, we've mentioned it earlier and last, I think last week. Would do you, are you happy with, um, do you think the Welsh manager should pick, you know, pr- pretty much on, pretty much on form? As opposed to irrespective, really, of 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 age to a degree, what's your take on that? Do you want to go first, Matt? I don't mind. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't. No, no. I mean, we we did cover this last week because it, there's certain players you would keep for your leadership and what have you. But the, um, there's some. Um, uh, like if it's a position where you're weak, then you've got to stick with the older guys. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, because we seem to be lacking, we 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 lacked so much leadership, didn't we? That I um, you can see Pivak sort of he's thinking, isn't he? I want I want some older heads in there, some experience, just yeah. to yeah. just I to mean, really bolster the squad and and work with. He's desperate for some results. That's the main the main thing. I don't think yeah. he, he's at the point now where we were supposed to be evolving the way Wales play when he took over from Gatland. I don't think he gives it monkeys now. He's just trying to get some wins just results. so he can extend his uh, contract for another two years. But I, I don't know. I, it's going to be it's going to be make or break, isn't it? Obviously, this tournament for Wales and for Pivac coming up. Yeah. And I think if the form continues, even if we get a sneak a couple of wins, if we're in roughly the same form as we were in the autumn, I can't see any point in persevering with him. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And we had a lot of questions in, so thanks to everyone who, who sent that in. But it was, yeah, essentially what does Pivak need to get out of this tournament to, to keep his job? I, you know, I think he needs... A lot. A lot, yeah. You've got to beat... You know, Italy, non-negotiable, you've got to beat them. I think you've got to beat Scotland is a non-negotiable and that's not a that's not a given. They did us over in the autumn. And I think that you've um, you've got to beat Ireland or England or France. And, and play well in the other two fixtures. I, I, yeah, I can't see it happening. Um, but it's... And also show signs of a pattern mm. of play developing. You know, mm. just taking a couple of wins, yeah. I think 
would be enough. He's going to have to be to keep his job. I mean, especially if the rumours about the the touching up Scott Robertson and different people. If those yeah. rumours do, I'd be delighted if we managed to get him. I, could, I don't know why he, he would. It'd have to be big money for him to come over here when he's probably lined up to be New Zealand's coach in in, in not too distant future. Um, I, I mean, I'd set up a Pat Lamb to be the next Welsh coach, but. Um, if the rumours that they're already looking at a replacement to true, then mm. it something spectacular, I would say, or spectacularly better than he has been so far anyway, in this tournament to keep hold, keep hold of his job. Yeah. yeah, I think he's in a really, really difficult position, isn't he? Because he's got to, we've got to get, you know, I think we've, we've got to be sort of almost, you know, runners up really and play and play well. So it's a, it's a really difficult position, isn't it? If we scrape, if we scrape wins, but we don't look as if, you know, there's any sort of pattern play, and I, I, I still don't think that'll be enough in this case for him. And, and he needs it at a time when um, France are resurgent, mm. um, Scotland are getting better all the time, England are obviously, you know, uh, we're playing them at home, so not the home advantage is much of a, a thing now with no fans, but at least we're not playing him in Twickenham because we would definitely wouldn't beat him in Twickenham this year. So you know, it, it, it's come. He needs he needs this turnaround, and it's come at a really difficult time because all the other sides are going or improving, should I say? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Right, let's uh, let's have a look at uh, lines bolters. I'm going to go for mine next because I have a feeling that Merce done way more homework than me, and just in case he's going to steal <laughs> mine. And in fact, mine is stolen from one of our listeners, Reese Not, and that is uh, Jameson Gibson Park. I think that in the absence of any, you know, any nine from any of the home nations really commanding a, a place, I think, like Murph said in the first half, he's going to take over that Island nine shirt. And I think he's going to do enough to get on the tour if, if there is one or it's not at all or whatever. But it's, uh, I think he's going to end up at the end of the six nations with a lot more credit than he's had to date. Yeah. I wrote a list of names for, Lions Bolters, and he was in the list. Let's have, let's have the list before you uh, before you give us yours, Matt. Well, I, I I still have me in my mind. I got to, narrowed it down to two. But here's the thing: I picked French players all the way through, and obviously for Lions Bolter, you can't pick a French. It'd be unlikely, wouldn't it? So I picked a guy who's not French, but he has got a French name. So I've gone for Benoit Obano. Which uh, I don't think Obano is French, but Benoit definitely is French. I think he's I think he's Beno rather than Benoit, isn't he? No, yeah, they call him Benno, but he's... he's oh, it's Benoit. Oh, okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah. I think oh, well, it's like a Senegal-type area that he's, his heritage is from, although obviously uh, he's ended up in Europe. Um, yeah, he just he just got in, into the English squad for the first time. I, I that, that was my choice just to try and keep it French. My yeah. actual choice is Louis Rees Samet. Wow. Big. Yes. Because there's yeah. always... I think Lions Bolted is a bit of a... It's a it's myth now, isn't it? They used to take an uncapped player on nearly every yeah. tour. They, they, that's not a thing now. I think Greenwood was the last one to go uncapped. Yeah, and the, I mean, there was... In in 97. Yeah, and, and throughout history, there's been people like Derek Quinnell played mm. for the Lions before he played for Wales and uh, and lots of other... I think Andy Ripley might have been the same. Anyway, um, I got for Reece because the, the Lions tours is a summer sport and they're playing on hard pitches and throughout the home nations there's not actually that much if you if you really analyze it there's not that much blistering speed mm. like johnny may is the fastest english player and you freely admit that zamit is quicker than him mm. Mm. um some of the 
some of the wingers up in um, Scotland are, are more size and speed, although they're not, they're not they're not sluggish by any means, but they're they're not speedsters. They're, they're bulky boys. Um, and then James Lowe, obviously, over in Ireland, is not a speedster. So Reece Samet is probably the fastest player in the tournament. And we, I mean, it's another it's another bit of a Jared Evans one in a way because he's not guaranteed to be on the start, starting fifteen, although he might be might be very likely to be in the 23 because he covers fullback as well. Could you yeah. start him, Miff? No, I'm not sure I do at this stage. It depends who's fit. I mean, uh, my, my, my starting three at the moment would be Liam Williams, uh, Josh Adams and George North on current form. But if, if any of them drop off, then you... Liam's suspended for uh, for a bit, isn't he? So... Well, they'll go, he'll go for Lee Halfpenny. He he's will, not, yeah. He's not going to risk um, anyone new at fullback. But... Um, yeah, he's my bolter. Yeah, no, good shout. Yeah, I, I think you're right on out and out offering something different, and it's blistering pace. That's a good, yeah, it's a good shout. We, that we haven't actually seen him in in space at the international level yet. He's on about three caps, I think. He hasn't actually been put in space because he's in such a poor team. I mean, that but, would be a proper bolter, wouldn't it? Because you could see him not playing throughout, or not playing that much throughout the Six Nations, and then getting a call up with a couple of you know only a couple of handful of appearances for Wales. Because he offers something so different. Yeah, I, I haven't really gone through who I would pick for the on the wing for the Lions. Obviously, Johnny May, Anthony Watson, maybe James Lowe, maybe I don't know, and maybe one of the Scottish players. But oh, Josh Adams would make it as well. I, yeah, I, I've just gone for it purely because he's the fastest. Yeah, I like player. that. It's a really good show. Yeah, no, I like that as well. Right. Couple time for um, a couple of listeners' questions just before we wrap up and have a have a look at the the first round of fixtures next week. So obviously we've covered um, yeah we've covered uh, the Wayne Pivak question. Here's a very very left field one. This is going to be the only one we're going to we've got time for. This is from Asa Joseph, <laughs> and this is outstanding. Who's your starting fly half in your Wales 2027? World Cup dream team, Sam Costello or Johan Lloyd? <laughs> Johan Lloyd played 10 on Friday, which was mm. nice. because He's been getting in the Welsh side and playing wing and fullback yeah. and doing the same for Bristol as well. And then I keep hearing it as an outside half. And I hadn't actually, I, think, I can't think I'd ever seen him play outside half, maybe for under 20s or something. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, the, the only thing with Friday was he was under no pressure, so he didn't really learn that much. Yeah. Both were awful. But uh, of the two, what I've seen so far, Sam Costello. Dan? I'm going to go you and Lloyd. Uh, I think Costello's probably the more all-round 10. I could see Lloyd playing playing in other positions later on in his career. Yeah. I could see him playing, becoming maybe even a bit of a utility back. And he gets and he gets those caps because he can play because he can play 10, 15 on the wing, probably a push you could do something at 12 so yeah I'd probably go for Costello as an out, as an out, an out of 10 on that one um, right let's finish then just by previewing round one and getting your predictions let's start with Scotland England which takes place at Twickenham Murph England versus Scotland what's happening there um, oh god I, I, as a neutral I just hope it's entertaining especially mm. in the Amazon Cup you know um Obviously, I mean, England, the favourites for the tournaments, for the whole tournament somehow, even though I think it's France. Uh, at home, they've got to be strong favourites to beat Scotland. 
but Scotland be going in the right direction. But uh, best, I think, for the neutral, even if you're not, you know, completely <laughs> supporting everyone, ex- Wales and everyone who England play against, you know, that old cliche. Uh, for the neutral, it would be Finn Russell, man of the match. Yeah. That's what you want, really. Whether they win or win or lose is besides the point. But if he's man of the match, you know you've had a good game. Dan? I can't see can't see England losing, you know, losing that that game. But I do think that it is a good opportunity for for Scotland coming to come to Twickenham with no crowds. And and as I pointed out earlier, England have got a, a good number of injuries in key positions, but it just it doesn't mean a great deal when you look at their you look at their squad depth and it's just it's just phenomenal, isn't it? The players that aren't playing. I mean, we what would we do for some of those players? You know, some of the second rows, you know, front rows. Geez, you know. So yeah, I can't see anything but uh, an England win on that one. Yeah, same here. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a power a power game. Um, like I said, I can see a Toji starting at six. I can see it being just. Trying to trying to really take it to them um, up front. Um, again, really hope I'm wrong, and I hope Scotland go out and um, and do it for a number of reasons. But as much as anything, yeah, I agree with you, Murph. It'd be good to see a uh, a Finn Russell man of the match style performance. Uh, let's go for the uh, the France Italy game. Uh, is that right? Yeah, France Italy game, um, which takes place in Rome. Dan, let's get your thoughts on that one first. Yeah, I'm going for a going for a French a French win on that. I think it'll be it'll be um quite an entertaining game this one. France, you know, that 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 back line, young back line. You know, you guys have mentioned the uh what are they the wingers there? You know, they're all under twenty five they're under twenty-five, aren't they? And they're gonna be throwing the ball around quite 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 nicely. I think it'll be um a relatively comfortable win for for France out there to get off a get off get their campaign off nicely. Murph, yeah, uh, it, the, the advantage with Rome is you you might get some good weather this even this time of year, whereas uh, the game you just talked about now is going to be weather dictated probably. If the weather's horrible, it's going to be up the jumper. Simple as that. Mm. But over there, you can sometimes I know they do get you know cold weather in Monaco in winter, but um, sometimes they get mild weather even in winter and that could be an excuse for France to run riot I can't see him losing any situation where they could lose that game no I don't either but what I could see is a spirit really spirited opening 20 from Italy where mm. they get an early try France have got a man in the sin bin and they only get a 10 point lead but you know it's enough to make it interesting for 20 minutes but then yeah I still see France winning by 20 odd points you know like 40 Two twenty, something like that. Um, but yeah, again, just hopefully it, it's a, it remains a bit of a fixture uh, for a while. Right then, it's the big one from our perspective: Ireland at home to Wales. Let us start with Daniel. So this, it's such a big game for us. Hang on, sorry, sorry. Wales at home to Ireland. I got that wrong. Yeah. Sorry, mate. What did you just this say? Is... I said Ireland at home to Wales. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it is. It is Wales in theory at home. What does it? Yeah, what does it even mean if there's no crowd there? It just might be over the park, <laughs> Lander Fields or somewhere, Poncana. <laughs> yeah. I, so on this one, I just it's such a big game for Wales that we can't. We I just we can't lose it. We we 
you know, if we lose that game, we then go into week two against, you know, against Scotland. I know it's away and we're, you know, there's no fans and things, but there's got, there's got to be a little bit of a, uh, of advantage in terms of familiarity and things. I, I, you know, I assume, but it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a, um, a key game that, that, the, 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 I mean, if we think the pressure's on now, we lose that game, then, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're in a serious, serious amount of trouble. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a Welsh win on that one. Beth? Yeah, I, I think we might win. Although, you know, it'll have to, <laughs> it, 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 would, it would represent a significant improvement in, our, in the way we'd be playing if we win that game, obviously. So it's not going to happen just by mistake. But I, I think they are, not as Ireland are not in as bad a position as we are by any means, mm. but they are, they are struggling. I mean, there's a lot of discontent over there actually. Um, mm. So I think we might. It could be. Uh, let's be positive. It could be the start of the turnaround. We beat Ireland, and then if, if we can beat Scotland as well, suddenly when everyone's everyone's starting to get uh, uh, confident over here again. And um, so yeah, I, I'll go for I'll go for a narrow Welsh win at home. All right, I I should have gone first, shouldn't I? Uh, I can see, <laughs> I can see Ireland just out powering us. I think that while I agree, Ireland need to rebuild. The thing that you know, they're flat track bullies. You know, if they get if they get their way up front, then they'll just they'll keep the ball moving forward, moving forward, moving forward over that try. And so who, who's going to play? Who's going to play outside half for them against us? Sexto is not guaranteed to be fit at the moment. No, he's not guaranteed to be fit. Uh, I could still see him being fit. If not, then I guess Ross Byrne. Byrne probably, wouldn't he? I would have thought. We'll get yeah. the nod. Yeah, I just think if you get if you can get on the front foot, we were we were so bad up front in the autumn. We, if if it's anything like that, then then they'll they'll have one of their flat track bully days and and uh, and go out there and. And, yeah. and could run riot and I'll score my, my prediction on, on us dragging them down to our level I'll be honest yeah you it's know that scrum isn't it it's the scrum it's the front row so much of it's going to depend on that isn't it I'm, we've a, got, we, I'm a defensive yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah the more and more we talk the more and more uh, yeah. my W my W on the sheet of paper is change, change, changing shape yeah. a bit yes yeah, um, rain on my parade alright <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Well, that seems like a suitably pessimistic place to start. As always, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'm wrong. Just time very quickly for one review that we've had in for, uh, on iTunes, which is from Wales Ten. Uh, interesting analysis regarding the logic behind squad selection. Surprised you didn't mention how many are not automatic starters for their club. Uh, Carre, uh, Rodri Jones, Elias, Leon Brown. I'd say Brown probably is an automatic starter if he's fit. Uh, Francis and Hardy, which is a great point, actually. Uh, but we can't cover everything. But you did still give us a five-star review. So uh, that's that's the most important thing. So I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thanks again, as always, to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. And remind you, get your hands on some great quality coffee at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Uh, a thank you to the mighty Murph. Thanks, Murph. Yes, buddy. Thank you to Daniel Killick. Enjoyed that. Thank you. And thank you from me, Lawrence Delalio for listening. We'll be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.